The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 29 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two detective episodes of Michael Shane, starring Jeff Chandler. We'll begin after this short break. Michael Mike Shane is a fictional private detective character created during the late 1930s by writer Brett Halliday, a pseudonym of Davis Tresser. The character appeared in a series of seven films starring Lloyd Nolan and Hugh Beaumont. The Adventures of Michael Shane Detective came to radio in 1944 starring Wally Mayer with Louise Arthur and later Kathy Lewis as his assistant, the blonde and gorgeous Phyllis Knight. Joe Forte played Inspector Faraday. The first series lasted until 1947. In 1948, a new Michael Shane series hit the airwaves, starring Jeff Chandler, who, on another network, was simultaneously playing bashful biologist Philip Boynton, Connie Brooks's object of desire on Our Miss Brooks. This series billed Shane as that reckless, red-haired Irishman and was set in New Orleans. Produced by Don Sharp, it was syndicated to stations nationwide until the early 1950s. Time now for the first of two detective episodes of Michael Shane. In this first episode, Shane travels to Mexico City to help a casino owner with a dishonest wheel. Here's the case of the crooked wheel on the new adventures of Michael Shane Detective starring Jeff Chandler. big gun in his hand turned over and over. He leaned his face close to mine, hissing softly between his teeth. It was a face that held all the evil in the world, the kind that gets up close when somebody's going to die. Suddenly, everything shattered in front of me like a bulb smashed against a rock. I got the last funny flash. Michael Shane, a guy head deep in nothing. New Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. Michael Shane, reckless, red-headed Irishman, is back again in his old haunts in New Orleans. This is your director, Bill Russo, inviting you to listen to another transcribed episode, which we call The Case of the Crooked Wheel. Mr. Private Detective? Thanks. I was beginning to wonder whether that one line in classified was worth the price. I observe, Mr. Detective, a man who has journeyed to a strange land. 
Observe a traveler who has come a thousand of miles to seek you out. Well, you must be tired. Have a chair, traveler. Tell me what's on your mind. Oh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Detective... Uh, the name is Shane. Michael Shane. Oh, of course. Mr. Detective Shane, observe before you a man with a despicable habit. A habit I cannot seem to break myself of. Oh, why don't you try Doc Holloway down the hall? He's a psychologist there. You can lie down and talk about your troubles. Please, please. Uh, perhaps I should come to the point, no? Yeah, that'd make things a little easier. Perhaps, uh... Ah, yes. Here. Observe it, if you please. Oh, the Quito Casino, Mexico City, 25 pesos. What's it supposed to tell me? It is money. At the Paquito Casino, which I, Ramon Paquito, am sole and legitimate proprietor, it is worth 25 pesos, uh, like it says. And I, Ramon Paquito, give it to you. Free, gratis, uh, for nothing, no obligations. Yeah, thanks. Now, now, about these habits you've got, how bad is it? Ay, terrible. I give away money, Mr. Detective Shane. Every week at the casino, I give away thousands of pesos. Free, gratis, for nothing, no obligation? Precisely. Well, how can you make a living like that? Well, two days ago, I asked myself the same question. There is no future in it, so I come to see you. Oh, well, if you want to unload your assets all at once, you've come to the right place. Now, please, Mr. Detective, your, your humor is, is a stranger to me. I uh, want you to save me from myself. What do you want me to do? Come to Mexico City with me. Find out why the Paquito Casino is losing money. Simple, is it not? Well, that's going to cost you a chunk of dough, Mr. Paquito. $20 a day. That's 100 pesos. Plain fare and expenses. Don't quibble about bagatelle, Mr. Detective. Now, will you come? Sure. Uh, just one thing, Mr. Paquito. You said you wanted me to save you from yourself. What did you mean? Uh, observe me well, Mr. Detective Shane. Yeah? Uh, do I appear as a person who could uh, cut a man's heart out? No. I, Ramon Paquito, could do it with a smile on my lips. Yes, Mr. Detective Shane, if what I suspect is true, I could, I would whistle a song sentimental while I commit a murder. In just a moment, we'll return to the new adventures of Michael Shane and the case of the Crooked Wheel. The airplane trip across the Gulf gave Senor Ramon Paquito the time he needed to fill in the details. Somebody had a gimmick to beat his roulette wheels. Another couple of weeks of the process, and Ramon would be wearing a serape and huarachas instead of a double-breasted pinstripe. All of which had made him angry enough to want to kill whoever was outsmarting him. We landed late the next afternoon. The Senor registered me at the Hotel Blanco, gave me directions how to reach the casino later, and then took off. I decided to give the town a whirl before it was time to punch the clock. The shops on Avenue Nacional were a sight to see, but I couldn't afford much looking. I settled for a Mexican-style backscratcher, then wandered down a side street for local color. It was just when I hit the first block of wooden shacks that two things happened. Suddenly, it wasn't daylight anymore, and suddenly, I wasn't alone. Picturesque, isn't it? Huh? A guy sleeps with a goat and a flock of chickens, and they call it picturesque. I'll bet a big tourist like you gets a bang out of that, huh? Now, look, mister, I... Your name's Shane? 
No, it's Pancho. Pancho El Diablo. Take him, Hugo, quick. The shadow that separated itself from a lot of other shadows wasn't quite as tall as a gorilla, but it was a yard wider. <laughs> it lurched toward me and spun me around. My punches <laughs> felt like I was trying to bang my way out of a rubber beach ball. And then the thing stopped playing. It hoisted me by the neck off my feet and started to squeeze. A, a, a bead of light exploded in front of my brain like a billion nickels. And then, then somebody had sense enough to pull down the curtain. first thought was that it's a lousy place to be dead in. Filthy room with a naked electric bulb dangling from the ceiling. Such a pretty man. I tried to focus, but it was too tough getting through the pain. Something was playing tricks with my hair. I curved my eyes backward, and then I knew for sure I'd been killed. There was an angel leaning over me. In time, I'd be able to make out the wings. Such a pretty man. Open your eyes, Chico. There. Oh. Uh, feeling better? You're a very lucky man, Mr. Shea. In a few more seconds, your neck would have been broken. Then both of us would have been unhappy. You and I. Yeah, who are you? Call me anything you like, Chico. Whatever suits you. That's a real dramatic touch, Angel. But who are you? How did I get here? I am Gabby. That's all you need to know. No, I, I need to know a lot more. Like, how did you get me here? Like, how do you know who I am? Simple, Chico. They carry you up here and went through your pockets. They would have killed you. Except I have a better idea. Like what? Use that return ticket to New Orleans. You can't get a meal in Mexico City like you can at Broussard. Look, Angel, let's stop playing patty cake. Who are those guys who jumped me? Oh. Then you see them? No, no. It was too dark. All the registered was a guy who talked lazy and a shadow who must have been Charlie Atlas's prize pupil. Well, then you are lucky. You better forget this whole rotten business and go home. Like a good boy. Who said anything about being a good boy? You hardly look in any condition to exert yourself, Chico. Well, come here. I hate you. Yeah. Now that we're practically soulmates, Gabby, start lying to me. Start from the beginning and make it a good story. What are you talking about? Who are you and what's this all about? Go home. Now look, Angel. Go home, Mr. Shane. Go home before they pick you out of the gutter and put you to bed on a slab. With a tag around your toe. And she wasn't kidding. Did something frightening to watch that angel face tighten into a lot of hard lines. I knew I couldn't get any answers out of her, so I hopped a cab to where I figured there might be some. The Paquito Casino. Ramon Paquito's sole and legitimate proprietor. He saw me as I came through the door. Ah, oh, Mr. Detective Shane. Hi. But, senor, you look lousy. Yeah, yeah, a couple of transplanted hoodlums felt like playing tag. I was it. Aye, that is very sad. Uh Well, in any case, you see, I have quite an establishment here, Mr. Detective. It would grieve me if I had to part with it. Yeah. Dose Rojo, number 12 on the red. The red page. Yeah, quite a layer. Mark, un momento, come here. Pablo will take your place. I want to talk with you, Mark. Somebody special? Uh, Mark Hagen, the best croupier in Mexico. Ah, ah, Mark. This is Mr. Michael Shane, a friend of mine. Uh, show him around, Mark. Show him everything. Why, sure. I'm glad to know you, Mr. Shane. You from the States? New Orleans. I, I leave you gentlemen now. There is much I must see about. Fine town, New Orleans. Sometimes I get a yen to go back there just to see how fine it really is. Is this joint legitimate, Hagen? Oh, it's as square as a box. 21, you hit 16, hold 17, dice, bet them any way you like, with the house or against, and a couple of roulette wheels. They gap? <laughs> Did Paquito tell you to ask me those questions? Uh, there's a nasty rumor going on around that 
Roulette wheels can be rigged against the house. You know, I don't like you, Mr. Shane. I don't know who you are or what you've got on your mind, but I don't play like that. Paquito is my friend. Okay, Hagen, I'm sorry. Sorry I made a mistake. I tried and I was wrong. No hard feelings. Plenty of hard feelings, Mr. Shane. I think I'd like it better back at the table. You can look around by yourself. So I did. As far as I could see, nobody was dealing second cards. The dice didn't shimmy after they hit the backboard. And the roulette wheels were giving the house better than an even break. And then she walked in. Gabby. Angel face in an evening gown that wouldn't quit. All smooth and round and cotton candy blonde hair. She stood in the doorway and looked around the room, then nodded slightly to a guy in a fawn-colored dinner jacket that fitted him like a dream. I walked up to her, watched the frown grow at the corners of her mouth. You fool, get out of here. Oh, ten years ago I had a vision about a woman who looked like you. You don't know what you're doing. There are a lot of women, Gabby, a lot of kinds of women. I don't know whether I like that or not. You don't scare easily, do you, Mr. Shane? Not very. Should I be scared? Suit yourself. It's your life. Yeah, and I expect to take it back with me. To coin a phrase, Mr. Shane, I make book on that. And I'll coin one right back at you, Angel. Five will get you ten. Hasta mañana, redhead. Only for you, tomorrow won't happen. I watched her sway the path through the ankle-deep rug to the blackjack table. She bought some chips and busied herself with the game. I took a stand at the roulette wheel next to the fawn-colored jacket and watched. Just watched. There was something to see. Men and women expensively dressed with that same look of fascination you see around a cockfight in the back of a barn. Cinco Negro, number five on the black. Oh, I'm sorry, senor. You huh? placed your money after the ball had settled. The house cannot accept your bet. What are you talking about? I had that hundred peso bill down before you started to spin. I'm sorry, senor, but that is not so. Hey, what kind of a two-bed joint is this, anyway? Sure, I had my money down. These people will tell you. The house insists you take back your money, senor. There is no question about the honesty of this Look, casino. Look, now pay me, brother, before I take this dive apart. You first. Is there any trouble, Mark? Yes, this gentleman, he placed a bet after the wheel had started. He's talking through his hat, mister. Give me my dough. Your hundred pesos, senor. The bill you laid down on the table. Now, if you please, get out. And he did, too quickly. The big guy folded the bill carefully, winked, grinned, and got out. In another second, I knew the reason why. Fawn-colored jacket was shoveling in a stack of chips from the number five square. All according to house rules, except he hadn't bet any chips on the number in the first place. I ducked out of the casino just in time to see the big guy disappear around the corner. I raced down the walk, but he was nowhere in sight. Then, like it says in the correspondence school lessons, I knelt down to look for footprints in the soft grass. <laughs> You're looking for me, Shane. Should I be? Shane is a detective. You're a phony. You couldn't detect foul play if you came across a corpse in the trunk. Oh, no, but good enough to figure out that pitch you pulled back there in the casino. Give me a reading, Shane. What did I do? You and the little man in the dinner jacket. You threw down a hundred peso note with a blue chip underneath it. You get thrown out, dinner jacket collects 35 to 1. <laughs> You're a pigeon, boy. You followed me just like it was figured you would. Can't you talk without that gun in your hand? Uh-uh. It's good for shooting pigeons. Right now, you. Now, wait a minute. No more minutes, Shane. You got no more time. Bite your lip or say a prayer or just close your eyes and take it. It's all yours, boy. Now, hold on to it. Big gun in his hand turned over and over. He leaned his face close to mine, hissing softly between his teeth. It was a face that held all the evil in the world, a kind that gets up close when somebody's going to die. Suddenly, everything shattered in front of me like a bulb smashed against a rock. I got the last funny flash. (laughs) 
Michael Shane, a guy head deep in nothing. In just a moment, we'll return to the new adventures of Michael Shane and the case of the crooked wheel. There are some guys in this world crazy enough to leave their happy home just for the opportunity of getting choked by a gorilla and getting shot by a man who has fun watching people fold up under the impact of a slug. Guys like me, all for 20 bucks a day in expenses. And it started out as a simple noggin job, trying to ferret out who was beating Senor Ramon Paquito's roulette wheels at his casino in Mexico City. Only somebody was having a personal fiesta having me bounced around. As a result, I was catching the habit of waking up in strange rooms after each current beating. This time, I fought my way through the numbness in my right shoulder long enough to squint out of what was around me. There were several things. Daylight, four walls, a roulette wheel on a round table, and a guy I'd seen once before who I figured didn't ever want to see me again. Mark Hagen, Senor Paquito's number one croupier. Take it easy, Shane. You better not try to move for a while. Hey... Didn't know you cared, Hagen. I brought you to my room. It seemed like the only decent thing to do. Where'd you find me? I followed you. I was afraid I was a little too late. I apologize for that. Well, what made you come after me? That gag they pulled with the palm chip is the oldest dodge in roulette. I had an idea you were a right guy after you went after that big fellow. I had an idea I could be of some help. Did you see those guys before? The big one and the skinny lad he worked with? They've been around. The fellow you followed is called Hugo. The other one's named Drew. I didn't know they knew each other. I should have been more careful. That guy Hugo has a sense of humor that could kill you. I don't worry about it anymore. I removed the bullet. You you removed the bullet? It's an old hobby of mine, taking bullets out of people. I made a living at it 15 years ago. I was a specialist until the law got interested. You were a doc? (laughs) Class of 28, Midwestern. Class of 35, Danamora. License revoked for uh, malpractice. Profile of Mark Hagen. Bum. So you drifted down here and went to work for Paquito? Well, it's a living, Shane. Being a croupier has its points. Nobody asks questions. It gives you a chance to use your hands, doesn't it? Uh, Yes. What made you ask that? A roulette wheel on the table. Did you get enough practice at the casino? (laughs) Sometimes, my friend, it's an indiscretion to inquire into motives. Look, I'll, uh, I'll tell you something, Hagen. It could be a wild, wild dream, but I'll tell you about it anyhow. Yeah? About you, maybe. About a croupier clever enough to spin a wheel in such a way that the ball drops in any slot he wants. Oh, you're out of your mind, Shane. Maybe, but I don't think so. It's been done before. I, I can't give the place and date, but it's been done. As I remember it, the croupier was a frustrated violinist. He had no talent for the violin, but he could make that wheel whistle Dixie. Just like you. Go on. Yeah, an ex-surgeon could get the same idea. A man who could do things with his hands, intricate things. What other reason for the roulette wheel on that table over there? Practice. Uh, what are you going to do about it? I could tell Paquito. That's what he hired me for. If you did that, I'd kill you. Yeah, maybe you would at that. Well, that's a promise, Shane. Okay, Hagen. Mark, I... Oh! Say no more, Hagen. Come on in, Gabby. Close the door. Congratulations, Mr. Shane. Oh, you two know each other? Sure. 
Yesterday, your lady love was making book, I'd be washed up on the beach. I see you almost made it, redhead. What stop you? Say, what is this? Hagen, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to give you some advice. What makes you think Mark needs your advice? Get rid of her, Hagen. She's no good for you. She's no good for anybody. Don't listen to him, Mark. Uh, go ahead. Sure. Now, see if you can follow me. I come to Mexico City and immediately get beat up by two thugs. I wake up in Gabby's room. She claims that if it wasn't for her, they would have killed me. He's lying. I met him at the casino. Now, understand, Hagen, I'm a stranger here. The only reason anyone would want me out of the way is because I could have been hired to queer his act. Okay so far? Yes, it makes sense. So it follows that Gabby had made some sort of play with these thugs. Maybe something you don't know about. True enough, Mark. Everything you say is a lie. You're being very impolite, my dear. Uh, the way it looks from here, Hagen, is a little Gabby has you framed for a fall guy. From here, that's the only way I see it. You're right, them shamans. You... Now, you sit down. You sit down and shut up. I I'm getting out of here. I don't want any part of you, Hagen. You, you're... You're staying, dear. I can't afford to let you out of my sight. Mr. Shane might be having a wild dream, as he said, but I can't take the chance. Now sit down. I left the happy couple and walked out into the midday Mexican sunshine. Things were beginning to add up. The guy who nearly broke my neck and the man with the gun were the same. That was Hugo. I heard the name before I passed out the first time. And it was an even bet that the lazy talker and the dapper gent named Drew were identical. But for a one-armed detective without a license to carry a gun in Mexico, there wasn't much I could do about either one of them. Well, it was time to go back and resign my job. I couldn't put the finger on Hagen anyhow. So I caught a cab to the Paquito Casino, walked into the senor's private office. Ay, 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 ay. Each time I see you, Mr. Detective, you look worse. Perhaps this climate doesn't agree with you. As a matter of fact, Senor Paquito, the time has come to bid a reluctant farewell to the land of Montezuma. Mr. Detective, observe before you a person who is deeply puzzled. Yeah? A few minutes ago, I received a call by telephone from Mark Hagen. He is leaving my employ. Yeah, when? Tonight. Tonight, he will be coupier for the last time at the Paquito Casino. And I don't understand why. You tell me why, Mr. Detective. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Maybe the climate doesn't agree with him either. I, this I doubt. Mr. Detective, you have observed, Senor Hagen. What is your impression as to his integrity? Like I said, your guess is as good as mine. It isn't up to me to guess anyhow. You can mail me what you owe me to New Orleans. I'm quitting, Senor. Yes, but why? Every time somebody tries to knock me off, they come a little bit closer. Now, hasta whatever it is to Oh, you. wait, wait. Look, just this evening... Remain here at the casino. This I ask you as a favor personal to, to Ramon Paquito. I even say please, listen. Please. Well, I don't know, senor. I don't know what good I can be to you. Well, perhaps no good at all. You just stay here. Observe. That is all I ask you to do. For this, double wages, double expenses. Well... Very well, triple. Sunday night, triple play. Agreed? Agreed, senor. I will observe. Another hour, the joint began to fill up. And a few minutes after that, Gabby walked into the room, still looking like an angel, the way some women who are devils do. She strolled over to the roulette table where Hagen was raking him in. He put a stack on the red. There wasn't a sign of recognition between Hagen and the girl. Siete, rojo, seven pays, red pays, number seven on the red. Place your bets for the next spin. No bets can be made after the wheel starts. On the next spin, the girl won again. 
And then she lost. Soon she began to double her bets and kept winning more times than she didn't. When she started to play individual numbers, she made the law of averages look like something that hadn't passed Congress yet. Just before she bet number four, I watched Hagen fold his thumb under his palm and rub the side of his face with the rest of his hand. Quattro negro, four pays, black pays, number four on the black. <laughs> the young lady seems to be lucky this evening. I've been observing you. Why not this evening, Senor Paquito? I am always lucky at your table. Yes, I have observed that too. Mark, Mark, stop the wheel. I wish to see just how lucky this young lady is. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you will pick up your bets. If you care to play there at the other tables, please. This wheel shall be used exclusive to test the young lady's uh, luck. But, senor, It is your intention to break the bank, is it not so? Spin the wheel, Mark. It was simple enough to figure out. The two of them, Hagen and Gabby, were making a one final grab at a whole lot of money. Whatever his friendship for Paquito might have been, Hagen was forgetting all about it. The girl and the dough. And he had a foolproof gimmick to do it. In another hour, there were roughly a hundred thousand pesos stacked in front of the girl. If the young lady doesn't mind, there's a gentleman who wishes to join her. It was a dapper lad in a dinner jacket. The guy named Drew. Gabby stiffened when she saw him. I don't know. This is my last spin. Well, now, that's too bad, ma'am. I had the idea I could ride along on your streak. I'd be very disappointed, ma'am. But I thought, Senor Paquito... It's that... quite all right, young lady. The gentleman informs me he wishes to make his wager in the identical sum and number as you do. It's just like the senor says, ma'am, one spin, any amount. I guess I can take a chance. You'd do it, all right? Very well. All of it. I bet the whole amount on number one. Good, that's fine, ma'am. Number one it is. Hundred thousand pesos, right and right along with you. Spin the wheel, mister. It was a sight to see. The girl, a knuckle clamp between her teeth. Paquita with a tight little smile and Drew staring. That's all, just staring down at the table. The only one who moved was Hagen. His right hand slid across his chest to the inside of his coat. Press Rojo, number three, please. Why, you double cross... The flash from Drew's gun lit on a flying steel blade. Hagen spun across the room, hammered back by the bullets that tore through his chest. Drew stopped shooting and tried to speak. His words stuck on the knife blade in his throat. They almost fell into each other's arms. I turned just fast enough to see the girl disappear through the side entrance, and I went after her. Outside, there was nothing. I, I hailed a cab and gave him directions to the only place I knew where to look, Gabby's room. I took the wooden stairs three at a time, down the hall to the door marked number six. But he's through, but that's just the way it happened. Oh. Well, come in. Come in, boy. Looks like we're the only ones left, huh? Yeah. Everything you have a part of dies, doesn't it, Hugo? <laughs> Too true, boy. It looks like I'm batting 1,000 today. Hugo, no. Hugo, put that gun away. <laughs> no more killing, Hugo. No more, no. In a moment, we'll be back with a thrilling climax to tonight's Michael Shane adventure. I watched the smoke curl up from the snout of Gabby's revolver and mix with her yellow hair and then float up to the ceiling. She stared at Hugo's crumpled body and let the gun drop from her limp fingers. I picked it up. Then she stared at me. Aren't you going to thank me for saving your life? Sure, thanks. 
She killed Hugo to save your own beautiful skin. You are mixed up, Redhead. He killed him because you knew he'd never believe your story about what happened at the casino. He didn't have enough time. Hugo enjoyed killing too much himself, especially people he thought crossed him. What are you talking about? You had a good pitch with Hagen. He could put that ball in any number or color you bet on, but that wasn't enough for you. But it doesn't matter now, Redhead. You thought you could double your profits by throwing in with Hugo and Drew. Yeah, maybe you were going to double-cross them, too. I don't know. There's still plenty enough for both of us. Take your choice, Angel. The police or Paquito. We go away together, you and I, tonight. There's a plane out of here in half hour. We can make it. We're good for each other already. Listen. Listen to me. There's still plenty. Yours and mine. Listen to me. Hello, operator. Listen to me. Give me the police. <laughs> This is your director, Bill Russo, again. Our story is based on characters created by Brett Halliday. The New Adventures of Michael Shane is a Don W. Sharp production, transcribed in Hollywood and distributed exclusively by the Broadcasters Guild. The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Detective, with the case of The Crooked Wheel, starring Jeff Chandler from June 27, 1948. Also heard in the cast, William Conrad and Frank Lovejoy. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another detective episode of Michael Shane for you after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, a woman being pursued sees only her conscience behind her. Shane sees something much more substantial. Here's The Pursuit of Death on the new adventures of Michael Shane, Detective, starring Jeff Chandler. I was driving pretty fast when the big black sedan came roaring at me. I tried to hold the car from crashing into the guardrail, but suddenly the wheel twisted out of my hands like a headstrong woman and the car got a mind of its own. The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. Michael Shane, reckless, red-headed Irishman, back again in his old haunts in New Orleans. 
This is your director, Bill Russo, inviting you to listen to another transcribed episode, which we call The Pursuit of Death. Charlie. Oh, hi, Mr. Shane. Got the five-star? Hot off the press. Here you are. Ah, thanks. What? Hey, take a look at Dream Girl, Charlie. You know, when you grow up... Yeah. But she looks like she's asleep on her feet. Hey, paper lady! What? I said paper lady. Don't do that. Don't talk behind my back. In back of okay, me. Okay, okay, lady. Boy, she must have had a bad dream. No, Charlie, it isn't sleep in her eyes, it's fear. Hey, look out, lady! Hey, you... What are you trying to do, get yourself killed? Or haven't you heard it's bad to walk in front of traffic? Somebody pushed me from behind, didn't you see? Nobody pushed you, lady! I told you I was pushed. I was just walking. I I didn't want to cross the street. Somebody pushed me. Okay, okay, somebody pushed you. You feel better now? Yes, I do. Well, good, then I'll be... No, no, don't let go. Oh, well, I'm... Oh. Is it tight enough? I, I suppose I sound silly. Now, for the first time in weeks, I've. Who are you? Mike Shane, private detective. One of my hobbies, keeping beautiful women from crawling under cars. You're solid, dependable. I, I need something solid. Did, did you say private detective? Yeah, from year to year. They issue the license down City Hall. I need you. Sure, lady. Now, why don't you take it easy? Huh? You'll break up if you keep on like this. I, I want you to, to do something for me. Yeah, like what? I want to hire you to, to protect me. Mm-hmm. From what? From being followed all the time. Find out who's following me. Catch him. Make him stop. He's driving me crazy. Look, lady, did you ever think of going to a doctor? Maybe maybe you're just imagining things. Say, that business with the pushing... No, the no. Oh, no, no. Wait a minute, honey. Wait Waiting and waiting for a chance to kill me. In a moment, we'll return to the new adventures of Michael Shane and the pursuit of death. It has been a particularly dull day. Even the weather had been dull, with heavy clouds hanging over the city. New Orleans gets days like that. They make you sleepy. I quit the office at five and stopped on the corner to buy my paper from Charlie, the newsboy. Then this Joan Crawford type got in the way of a car and would have been hit if I hadn't hauled her back onto the sidewalk. She must have gone for my daring do because she hired me on the spot. Yeah, to protect her. She thought somebody was trying to kill her. I was in no position to argue with someone holding 20 a day under my nose, so I started to drive her home. I found out her name, Shirley Kernan, but she wasn't in a talking mood, so I just let her relax. She put her head against the back of the seat and closed her eyes. Fifteen minutes later, when I pulled up in front of the house, her eyes were still closed. Please, don't move. Don't you want to go in? I'd like to just sit here for a minute. I haven't felt quiet and restful like this for a long time. My day started at five. I've got lots of time. A foolish woman. Afraid of shadows. Yeah, there are shadows and shadows in New Orleans. You can't imagine what it's like. 
All the time, day and night, with the feeling that someone is following me. Right behind my shoulder, all the time. You, uh, talked it over with your husband? How did you... Oh, oh, my ring. He, he, he's away on a business trip. Well, if you want me to earn that 20 a day, you better give me something to go on. That's what makes it hard, Mr. Shane. It's, it's a feeling. I, I tried to fight it myself, but I can't. It's, it's there, all the time, someone right behind me. You said he's trying to kill you. Once it was a car, a small convertible. At night, I, I stepped off the curb and this car started towards me. I jumped back just in time. Hmm. Recognize the car? Johnny Terrence. A friend. A friend of my husband's. But he hates me. Johnny's always hated me. You think he's the guy then? If anybody I know is responsible, he must be the one. Well, I can have a talk with him. I don't know. I don't know. Right now, I feel secure. Relaxed. Because I'm here? It's a switch. I can't fight this thing alone. Shirley! <laughs> been wondering where you were. Hello, Ralph. Michael Shane, Ralph Pierce. How do you do? Mr. Shane's a detective, Ralph. I... Here we go again. Oh, the cat! The cat! I just saw... Oh, Shirley, take the it easy. The cat's just after the bird, Mrs. Kearney. Talking and creeping up on There, it. there, the bird flew away. Yeah. Does this happen often, Mrs. Kearney? I can't stand it. Creeping. Just a... Mr. Shane, would you wait here just a moment? Yeah, sure. Come, my dear, I want to talk to Mr. Shane. You wait for me in the house. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Shane, you are a detective? That's what the lady said. I presume you are to investigate Shirley's hallucination. Right again, Mr. Pierce. I'd like to help you. Yeah, you look like you're bubbling over with good intentions. What I mean is, save you trouble. Oh. You see, Mrs. Kernan is subject to mental aberrations. There must be an easier word. <laughs> this pursuit phobia, it's all mental, like a too vivid imagination. Like a hypochondriac who knows there's nothing wrong with him, but still feels aches and pains. Nobody's following her. Nobody. Nobody's trying to kill her. Absolutely not. You know, before that cat and bird affair, I had the same opinion. But it must be nice to be as positive as you are about something. I know, Mr. Shane. That's what I said. You see, I'm new here. I just started to work. How do you fit in? I'm a friend of Shirley's. And this Johnny Terrence, he's a friend of her husband. That's right. I just want to get it all straight in my mind. Oh, what does this husband think of your being a friend of Shirley's? Mr. Shane, I've been trying to help you. Yeah, just the way I thought you would. I could get to dislike you, Shane. Well, you work on it, Pierce. With a little effort, I'm sure you could get to hate me. Like I said, if it wasn't for that cat and bird business, I'd have probably washed it off quick, charged the 20 to experience, and gone home. But when I got finished talking to Pierce, it gave me ideas. Maybe somebody was trying to drive her crazy. Maybe Pierce. Maybe her husband. Maybe this Johnny Terrence had some answers. Wouldn't hurt to find out. Now, Mr. Terrence was home when I got there, getting ready to go out. The playboy type. Got a heavy date, Mr. Shane. What can I do for you? Information, Mr. Terrence. About what? Shirley Kernan. Oh? I'm sorry. I'm much too much in a hurry. I understand you're a friend of her husband's. Stan and I were very good friends once. Were. She fixed that. Well, she doesn't like you, either. And that's a compliment. You'll pardon me now? She's in a pretty bad way. I'm trying to help her. Go right ahead. What can you tell me about Shirley? Nothing. Look, Johnny boy, I'm trying to be nice. It's tough, but I'm trying. You've been following her? 
that what you wanted to ask me? One of the things. Really, Mr. Shane, I'm late now for an engagement. You'd be real sorry if something happened to her, wouldn't you, Terrence? Oh, it would break my heart. Oh, real sweet guy. Heart of gold. Goodbye, Mr. Shane. I should learn to control my temper. What is there about your kind of guy that riles me? Do I have to use force to get you to leave? You know, it'd be a pleasure. All right, Shane. That's a sucker punch. Leave him with your right. Didn't they ever teach you that at prep school? Get out! Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I, I feel better. Yes, sir, I feel much better. These lounge lizards are all cut from the same pattern. You want to hit them the minute you see the supercilious grin on their faces. I was happy this one gave me the opportunity. But I got the feeling there was another side to this guy. His hate on Shirley Kernan went deep and smoldered steady. There was too much parlor stuff. Pierce was oily and Terrence was full of hate. The air was loaded with unspoken things and, and bitter feelings. Shirley Kernan was right at the core of it, too. Maybe something I wasn't paying enough attention to was her husband. If I was a traveling salesman who wanted to drive my wife crazy, I'd sure do it while I was supposed to be on the road. Well, I, I kicked it around in my head as I drove toward town. I wasn't going very fast when I noticed a big black sedan come roaring up to pass me. I eased over to the right to give him plenty of room, but he wanted more. I eased over until I was practically scraping the paint off the guardrail that protected the highway from a 30-foot drop. I thought this guy must be three sheets to the wind, and, and then he really came at me. My car suddenly started to rumble. I, I tried to fight the wheel and get a look at the guy in the sedan, but I, I couldn't do both. I, I couldn't even do one. <laughs> Splinted like matchsticks, and the steering wheel jumped out of my hands. I felt the car go up on its nose, poised for a second like a graceful elephant. Sometimes I get a head full of sense. I, I duck. The rear end won the toss. We started downhill, bouncing and rolling and twisting. I hung on and just hoped. I kept bouncing around and hitting the side so often and so hard, I felt like I stand in for a handball in a hot four-wall game. I caught a flash of a big tree. And then, and everything stopped. Except that crazy front wheel spinning uselessly in the air. Spinning and spinning. Then the Sandman came and I got very tired and closed my eyes. In a moment, we'll return to the new adventures of Michael Shane and the pursuit of death. My first reaction to Shirley Kernan's hysterical fear about someone following her all the time and waiting to pounce on her was that she needed a doctor, not a private detective. But a couple of things happened that made me curious. First, there was this thing with the cat and the bird that almost made her go off the deep end. And then Ralph Pierce, her friend, tried to ease me out. And the parlor punk Johnny Terrence seemed to have some secrets, too. Finally, I got into an argument with a black sedan and lost the argument. My car went through the guardrail and over, and then I passed out. When I came to, the front wheel was in the air, still turning lazily like a ballerina ending a pirouette, so I knew I hadn't been out very long. Then a door was pulled open, and I saw a lot of sky. And Pierce's head right in the middle of it. Why, Mr. Shane, what happened? I was driving along, and yeah, I saw yeah. you. Yeah, hello, Pierce. You, 
You just happened along, huh? Oh, yes. I was driving along, saw this car down here. I had no idea it was yours. That's yeah, quite a coincidence. Yes, here. Let me give you a hand. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Can you walk all right? Yeah, I guess so. No broken bones. At least no important ones. Do you have many enemies, Mr. Shane? Yeah, whoever took me on this joyride wasn't a friend, Pierce. I'll take you to town in my car. You can call for a tow car at the first gas station. My insurance company's sure gonna hate me. You know, Mr. Shane, what I was telling you before about Mrs. Kernan, perhaps I was wrong. I think so, huh? I still don't believe Shirley's suffering from anything but delusions. But whoever did this to you, perhaps it was meant as a warning. To mind my own business? Yes. This sort of thing happens to be my business. Certainly the money she's paying you can't compensate for bodily danger. Maybe not, but... Uh, is that your car, Mr. Pierce? Yes. Black sedan. Right fender scraped and dimpled. You know, the car that pushed me over is a dead ringer for yours. As you said before, quite a coincidence, isn't it? You seem to be quite a boy for coincidences. You see this bump on my jaw where it hit the dashboard? Yes. Here comes another coincidence. You'll regret this. Now, later. I'm too busy now. If you want to ride back to town, the tow car will be coming back in a while. Why don't you wait, Mr. Pierce? Pierce's car purred like a contented tiger. I figured I'd stop at my office, clean up a bit, and get my 38 before I went any further on this case. I parked in front of my building and went up to the office. With my hand on the doorknob, I had a feeling. Not bad, but maybe just a little uneasy. I threw the door open and stepped aside. Nothing happened. Craned my neck and took a look. There was a man sitting in my client chair, the one with springs. At least I think it was a man. He had a turban on his head and flowing robes that covered his feet. Skin was dark and very white teeth smiled at me as he went into a short commercial. Permit me to introduce myself, Mr. Shane. I am Remu, seer and mystic in the realm of the mind. I am a friend of Mrs. Kerman. Not another one. I am aware you are trying to help her. Yeah. What can I do for you? Perhaps I can aid you. Perhaps. All I want to find out is whether her life is really in danger or if she just imagines her life's in danger. Her life is in danger, but I do not believe it is from a... Physical source. Nobody's trying to kill her? No one but herself. We all contain within ourselves the seeds of our own destruction. Yeah. No, I don't place you in this setup. I want to help her, too. You know John Terrence? No, I only know that Mrs. Kernan dislikes him. That he evidently dislikes her. Yeah, with gusto. How about Pierce, Ralph Pierce? A malignant person, Mr. Shane. An evil person. Oh? I do not know him well. I met him only once, but I felt evil. It was my second meeting with him before I felt anything. What about Shirley's husband? Would he be trying to drive her out of her mind? Mr. Shane, yeah? These problems of the mind, they are susceptible of various interpretations. You understand, I am a friend of Mrs. Kerman. Yeah, you said that. I want only for her to have peace. Fine. There is one thing. Mrs. Kernan has always worn a necklace. Of one in particular she was fond. A heavy gold mesh necklace. For many weeks now she has ceased to wear it. 
I asked her about it, but she reacted strangely. I feel it is important. Yeah? What's the matter? Don't your feelings have the answer? Oh, these problems of the mind. And you think someone is trying to drive her out of her mind? That explanation is much too simple, Mr. Shane. I fear when you find the answer, it will prove to be a great deal more sinister. It was beginning to percolate. Like a gentle little thing, Ramu's words stirred softly. Seemed to say something beyond what I actually heard. It would fit, too. It would answer all the questions. Well, it was late, almost 11 o'clock, when I parked in front of Shirley Kernan's house, went up the front steps. I could hear voices behind the door. I rang the bell. Jane, oh. What's the matter? Am I interrupting something? No, no, no. How about inviting me in, then? Oh, oh yes. Come in. Okay, okay. Take it easy. Well, hello, Terrence. What happened? You two kiss and make up. This is my cue to exit. So long, Shirley. Relax. I'll see you some other time when the house isn't all cluttered. Always on the wing. Stick around, butterfly. I want words with you. This time you don't catch me off balance, Shane. Stop it, stop it, don't! See, you're still a sucker for that right lead. All right, what are you doing here? What do you think he's doing here? He's trying to frighten me. Well, Terrence... I just wanted to find out if she'd heard from her husband. I haven't heard from Stan since he left. Usually writes. That's all, Terrence? Yes. You could have telephoned for I that. I did. She refused to talk to me. Have you heard from your husband, Mrs. Kernan? No. Been gone quite a long time, hasn't he? Doesn't he usually write? Are you going to start on me now? I thought I could depend on you. Pierce, I... Shirley? How about Pierce? Don't you depend on him? Shut up! I am cheat, Shirley. Don't you make Stan's life miserable? No wonder he likes to go on the road to get away from you. No wonder he doesn't write. I hate you. I hate you. You're the one behind all this. You're the one creeping behind me all the time. Just turn and stop. Ask him. Go on. Ask him. It's here in this room. The feeling. Behind me. It's him. I tell you. Evil. Rotten. Long in a hospital. You see, you see. Mrs. Kernan, you used to wear a gold mesh necklace. You don't wear it anymore. Why? No, no. May I see it, please? No, you can't. What are you trying to do to me? You're all against me. You'd all like to see me dead. Look, Mrs. Kernan, we. You hear it? I don't hear a thing. You're out of your. In this room. Now. Behind me. Coming closer. Well, whatever it is, it's not inside the room. It's not behind you. Come in. Well, hello, everybody. What's the gun for, Pierce? Just protection, surely. Come with me. Put it away, Pierce. I haven't forgotten our last meeting, Shane. Not one bit. Come on, Shirley. I won't go with you. I won't. I won't. You'll do as I say, Shirley. You're all against me. No one cares about me. I do, my dear. It's here. It's here in this room. Coming closer. It won't touch me. I won't let it. Shirley, come back here, Shirley. You won't find me. I'll hide. And be with myself. All by myself. Safe. Hey. Well, Pierce, you didn't make the grade in the big scene. As a stand-in for her husband, you're a flop. Scene isn't over yet. Let's have my car key, Shane. I lost I'm it. in no mood to quibble about shooting you. Say, please. Shane. Better. Yeah. Thanks. Now, if you two are wise men, you'll stay here. Everything's under control now. Let's keep it that way. Without bloodshed. I don't get this. What goes on, Shane? You got a car, Terrence? Yes, outside. You want to find out what it's all about? Yes, but what's happened to Shirley? It looks like we'll have the answer pretty quick. Come on, or we'll lose him. Terrence drove. He was a pretty good driver for a guy who spent most of his time steering his way around nightclub tables. 
We went through the downtown section faster than the law allows, keeping Pierce's car in sight. Once or twice, we spotted Shirley's coupe a few blocks ahead of Pierce. Pierce didn't know it, but he was mighty helpful. We kept on in Indian file. They're heading out of town. We're doing 70 and not catching up. How are the tires on this jalopy, Terrence? Front ones are fine. In the back? We'll find out. Uh-huh. Well, maybe I had you wrong, Terrence. You got guts. Thanks, Shane. Come around the office sometime. Give you a few lessons in the manly art. It's a deal if I can practice on you. <laughs> like I said, maybe I got you wrong. They're taking a fork to the left and slowing up. All right, careful. We're getting too close. Got one of the headlights. All right, turn them off. We don't need them. Pierce's shot at us was sort of a feeble last effort in the cause he must have known was lost. When we got around the bend, Pierce's car was just pulling off the road a few feet behind Shirley's coupe. It was a grassy place near the river. Shirley was running, her hair flying in the wind. A bright moon had cut the clouds. It was almost like twilight, sort of eerie. Pierce started out after us. We parked, and we started after them. Shirley! Shirley, come back! She reached a sandy place on the bank and fell to her knees. Pierce got to her and started to bend down to pick her up, but he... He stopped halfway and just watched, sort of fascinated. Then it hit me full force. I stopped dead. What is it, Shane? What's she doing? All over, Terrence. Nobody can help Shirley Kernan anymore. In a moment, we'll be back with a thrilling climax to tonight's Michael Shane adventure. stood there about 50 yards from the river, watched Shirley Kernan on her hands and knees at the bank of the river. It was all cold inside and sort of sick. Terrence had stopped when I did. He, he didn't get it. Come on, Shane. What are you waiting for? All right. All right, Terrence. Shirley's hands were in the sand when we got there. She was digging furiously and mumbling to herself. Oh, Pierce Jake. was quiet. Watch my hands and, and be clean again. And I'll be me again. Nobody will be able to touch me or hurt me. I'll be me. And all along... Shirley, don't, my dear. I'll handle it, Pierce. All right, Mrs. Kernan. It's all right. I must take... I must... No, no, everything's all right. Nobody will hurt you. Nobody will hurt me? No. You're safe, no. I don't get it, Shane. I sound like a broken record, but I don't get it. Uh, The strain was too much. Pierce can tell you. And your fears. Yes. Yes, it's all over now. All over. We left Shirley's car there. She drove back to town with Terrence and me. Pierce followed. Shirley was like a child now, looking up at me with those big eyes as if I were going to protect her. Only there wasn't even fear in her eyes anymore. Just a blank kind of look that I'd never want to see again. She's really cracked up, Pastor. Yeah, like Humpty Dumpty. All the king's men can't help. But why? What caused it? It's simple enough. The way she lost control when she saw a cat stalking a bird on the lawn. The delusion she had of being followed. The idea someone was trying to jump on her from behind. And her gold necklace. I know all that, but I don't... Well, you see, she... She was running away. Nobody was following her. All alone. I don't have to run anymore. I'm me. And all alone. What was she running away from? Herself. What? 
a conscience. He used to know it all the time, I guess, or suspected. He was trying to protect it, but he couldn't do it. No one could. Shane, when I come up to your office for the first lesson in boxing, maybe you'll go into it a little more fully, huh? Yeah, Terrence. Yeah. Sometimes you get a case you don't like. You're in business and you take what you get. Shirley's mind had played a trick. It had forced the knowledge of her guilt into her subconscious so that she was able to forget what she'd done. But her subconscious couldn't forget. The two forces fighting each other finally snapped her mind. I guess there's always some kind of retribution one way or another. In her case, the toughest kind. Worse than prison, even the chair. Next morning, when the police got to the spot at the bank of the Mississippi with shovels, they found what I knew they would. The proof of Shirley's guilt. The grave of Shirley's husband, Stanley Kernan. He'd been choked to death. From behind. With a gold mesh necklace. Shirley's necklace. This is your director, Bill Russo, again. Our story is based on characters created by Brett Halliday. The music is composed and conducted by John Duffy, and Michael Shane is portrayed by Jeff Chandler. The New Adventures of Michael Shane is a Don W. Sharp production, transcribed in Hollywood and distributed exclusively by the Broadcasters Guild. Next week, you'll hear Michael Shane in another thrilling adventure from mysterious and colorful New Orleans. The New Adventures of Michael Shane Detective with The Pursuit of Death, starring Jeff Chandler from July 2nd, 1949. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 30 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 30 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two comedy episodes of the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show. So don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>